The Be the Difference podcast is presented by Back to Back Ministries, a Christian nonprofit organization providing holistic care for orphan and vulnerable children and families around the world. To find out more about Back to Back or to follow on social media, head to backtoback.org. Welcome to Be the Difference, stories of everyday people being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Matthews, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. In this episode, I took so many notes and had so many thoughts around leadership, vision, inspiration. Sammy, tell us a little bit about who you interviewed for this episode. So we're going to hear from Claire Brown. She is the founder of Lydia's Mission, based in Imansana, South Africa. Currently, she runs a ministry center that is about 70 acres with farmland and a sewing project and feeding centers that feed 1,600 kids five days a week. One of the things I love most is that all of that is run by 29 women from the community that Claire has hired and mentored and really built a community for these women to belong to. And the transformation in their lives has been incredible. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear Claire's story and learn a little bit about how she got to where she is today. So here we go, a conversation between Claire and Sammy. Claire, welcome to the show. We are so happy to have you here. You are recording this from your home in South Africa, right? I am, and thank you so much for having me. And your home in South Africa, I mean, I feel like the listeners should know that we grew up in the same small town. We went to the same church growing up. I like to call it a little suburban Ohio bubble. And now you live on a 70-acre farm in South Africa. (laughs) Yep, (laughs) definitely uh, very different from where we grew up. Um, but it's, it's only the Lord. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm really interested, like how, how did you end up there? So my first questions are really before you ever ended up in South Africa, running a farm, managing and leading a group of women, what were the early experiences that you had that really opened your eyes to serving others? What were some of those first experiences like for you? Yeah, well, with growing up in the church, I went on quite a few different mission trips um, and really had a, a very wide um, experience in those from local in in Ohio to internationally through um, back to back in Mexico, I went and to um, Jamaica and all these different countries. And um, really one experience that I really can think back on, I have quite a few, but that was really opened my eyes was serving in Jamaica. And there, there's this place called the infirmary and it is like a government run kind of like nursing home, but just very, very, um, basic, basic care. Um, and I remember I went along, um, with a, a doctor from our hometown, um, Dr. Bill Regano and we, the two of us, and I was probably, 17 at this time, went around and literally inspected every single patient for bed sores. We changed every single one of them. These are all elderly adults. And I just remember um, Dr. Regano was just, I mean, he was obviously in his element as a doctor. And here I am as a 17-year-old girl just running around (laughs) following. And 
I just remember just being so in awe that even though I didn't really have the skills, like I was obviously not trained medically, like I had ways I could serve. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's going to be a big glamour thing by any means. Like we were changing, you know, like depends on these elderly people yeah. who couldn't get out of bed. Um, but it was just so eye opening that, you know, it doesn't take a special degree or special skills to serve the Lord. Like you can find multiple ways where you're, where you're at. And I think that just really set my mind on no matter where I was, um, in life or location wise that I could serve the Lord if I was just intentional about looking for options. I think that that is, is the first step in anything that we try is realizing I might not have all the answers, but I'm going to try it. So when you arrived in Imanzana and you are praying that God would give you eyes to see the need, what were some of the first needs that he brought to your attention? So it actually kind of starts out as a funny story. Um, So I had moved into a house um, here and was renting it. And my landowner at the time said, hey, if you put your trash outside once a week, I'll send someone by to collect it. And so I was like, okay, yeah, no problem. Didn't think anything of it. Well, in our area, there's lots of monkeys. So the monkeys started (laughs) making a game about taking my trash and spreading it all over, you know, in front of my house. And so I'm like, okay, this is getting old quickly. So really out of frustration, (laughs) the Lord moved. So I began asking around where the rubbish dump was, the garbage dump um, in our town. And so I finally figured out where it was. So I loaded up my smelly trash, of course, complaining the whole way, um, because I had to put it in my car to drive about five minutes away. And (laughs) I got into the garbage dump and all these women just started like coming towards my car. Now I'm freshly in country and they mainly speak Saswati here. So there's not a whole lot of English. So they're like coming at my car and starting to open the doors. And I'm a little panicked of like, what is going on? And so I'm able to get the my trash out to them and they start fighting over it. So like they're ripping apart the trash bag and the trash is flying everywhere. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I like kind of left quickly because I was really kind of off caught off guard on what was happening. And as I pulled out, I the Lord just broke my heart for these women Um, I didn't know if they were scourging in my trash for my moldy food I threw away or what they were doing. But by the process of driving out of the the garbage dump, I just was overwhelmed with emotion of like, this is where the Lord wants you. So Mm -hmm. I went back the next day with a translator to say, what was going on yesterday? Like, what were you ladies doing? And they began to tell me their story of being there. They don't get paid to be there. They get paid based on the weight of the things they recycle like cardboard, glass, plastic. Um, And I mean, it is an equivalent to U.S. money. It is just pennies for, you know, pounds and pounds of cardboard or glass or plastic. And so I just said, hey, can I come once a week and share Christ with you guys and do a Bible study and just hang out with you? Now, mind you, I'm a foreigner. uh, I'm young. I'm kind of a weird talking American with a weird accent. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, you're more than welcome to. So I was like, okay. So now every Wednesday, literally since the first couple of weeks that I was in South Africa, I have gone to the rubbish dump, to the garbage dump every single week. And I've shared Christ with them. We do a weekly Bible study. I even got the opportunity to baptize some of them in the garbage dump um, to wow. reclaim that space in their lives for the Lord and not the shame that they feel by by sorting through there. 
Um, so yeah, that was probably definitely one of my first real experiences. Like this is where the Lord wants you, not only in South Africa, but in the rubbish dump. And it was just even more confirmed because within the first couple of weeks, I obviously shared about Jesus and his death on the cross and they began weeping. And then they said, why has no one ever told us this before? How did we not know who Jesus was and what he did for us? And it was in that moment that it was like, this makes sense. This is why God wants me here. And so I began telling them Christ and almost all of them to this date have accepted Christ now, where before none of them knew the Lord. So it's just even more that confirmation, like, okay, God, like I obeyed and I listened and now I, I saw the result of why, you know? Yeah. And and now you have hired 29 women, correct? To yes. work at this farm. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to create job opportunities for the women that you were building relationship with? Yeah. So again, it kind of goes back to the, the garbage dump. Um, so we entered into a season where the trucks that would come in to buy the things that the ladies had collected had stopped coming for months. And we are praying and praying and staying hopeful that the truck would come to buy their things. And I just realized, you know, they're struggling. And I didn't want to do an, uh, just a bunch of handouts that were going to be enabling to them. I really wanted to try to empower them. Um, that's kind of a motto I do across the ministry. But it's just, so I said, okay, well, what can I do? So I started thinking of different handcrafts and different um, little things that they could make that maybe I could buy and then try to resell or just really trying to get creative with different opportunities I had with them. Um, and so, and then about three years ago, we purchased the, the ministry center, which is the farm. And that's when I start realizing, hey, this is even more of an opportunity to empower these women by giving them proper jobs. So out of my 29, um, there is 10 currently that have been hired out of the garbage dump from previously sorting through. Um, and then all the others have come from different Bible study groups that I do throughout the week as well. So everyone has been connected to different groups that I've done. Um, but it was just a way to empower them. I love that that you do that. And ad additionally, as you've built these Bible studies and built this community of women who work together, it's created a sense of belonging. Yeah. Can you talk about the the relationships that you've built and um, how those have transformed the way that you see other people. Yeah. So really the the relationships with these women, what started as a once a week Bible study for about an hour under the one tree in the garbage dump that had some shade now has developed into really friends. Um, and, you know, I know the ins and outs of their life. I know their struggles. I know what to pray for. I know their families and I've met their families and their kids and their grandkids and so instead of just a once a week study, it's become doing life together as sisters in Christ. It's begun supporting one another. Um, there's days that I've had rough that I'll go to them and say, hey, please, will you pray for me? So it's not that I'm just superior over them by any means. It's we're doing life together and we're both trying to get closer and closer to, to Christ and our relationships and support one another in that process. And so, so much of that is, you know, experiencing and, and yeah, doing life together, I guess is the, is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. Well, I think about it. It's like an exchange. Like it's not yeah. a one-way relationship. It's not yeah. just 
you providing through your ministry for them. It's it's an exchange. It's they minister to you and you minister to them and yeah. you support one another, which mm-hmm. I mean, I think what we all are longing for deep down is a place to belong. And that's for what sure. that's what this community has created, which is I think so incredible. Yeah, and it's really to sh- also to um, show them that, you know, it doesn't matter if my skin is white and their skin is is brown. It doesn't matter if I can read and write and they cannot. It doesn't matter, you know, the background they come from or the status that they might have um, or don't have or I may have because I have a title of missionary or fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. We're one and the same. Um, and so even some of my favorite activities that I do with the ladies who are still in the, in the garbage dump is I'll go and work alongside them for a day. I'll go sort through the trash in our community just to show them, hey, I'm not any better than you. We are in this together. We are both sisters in Christ chasing after the Lord. Um, And it just shows them so much dignity um, because unfortunately, a lot of times they are so talked down to and pushed aside Mm -hmm. because they've had to, they couldn't find other work. So they've had to go to the garbage dump as a last resort in order to maybe get enough money to buy one loaf of bread that day, but at least it's something. Um, and so I've just done everything I can to show them I am not better than you by any means. Mm. We're equal. We're equal in God's eyes. So we've talked about some of the things that you like about your job and your life there, but I know from my own experience living internationally and doing missionary work that it is not always easy and it is not always happy endings and stories that are tied up in a bow. So what have been some of the things that have been hard or some of the challenges that you've faced along the way? Yeah, definitely um, the amount of death and suffering that you just constantly see. Um, Life expectancy in this country is is quite young. Um, I mean, one of my staff members that I had hired and had done life with for a couple of years suddenly passed away. Um, and so it was dealing with that death. It was dealing with constant um, death in different ways, whether accidents or um, sicknesses or just constant battles. And then, you know, as much as I try to get in the community and to learn people's stories, to meet them where they're at and try to share Christ to them, also that that burden of hearing their stories. And I, I'm one that takes it personally and I take it on, on, on myself and I try to surrender back to the Lord, um, but you feel those aches and those pains of, of the struggle that they're feeling. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing in both of those examples is is loss. Like there's a lot of loss. And I think that when we step into the story of another person, there's a lot to be gained. Like in that exchange, we learn so much about ourselves, about God, about other people. and. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be gained, but there's also a lot of a lot of loss and there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of sorrow. Yeah. And something that's been really powerful for me in the last couple of years is realizing that those two things can coexist. For sure. Like there can be joy and there can be deep sorrow. And those can both be true. And I can experience both those. So we talked about this a little bit already, but there is this constant conversation in missionary work about how do you, how can we invest in 
development of people and not just provide relief. There was a book that came out several years ago called When Helping Hurts, and that has really shaped this missionary conversation. Mm-hmm. How has that idea of of providing development rather than just relief impacted the way that you've set up ministry? Yeah, it, it really is always kind of in the back of my mind um, as I go out each day. Um, yeah, I really try to not enable, but empower. And mm. a lot of enabling is when you hand out a lot of things, don't get me wrong, there's a time and a season when there mm-hmm. is emergencies um, like we've been experiencing with COVID and lockdowns. And, and there's those times that you have to do emergency relief. But in the long time, long run, it's better to empower than enable. Obviously, mm-hmm. children aren't in a position in their lives that they can go and get a job. They're, they're obviously relying on whoever they're living with, their parents or their grandparents. And so we do feeding sites as a ministry um, at our hope centers. So the kids can come to these different hope centers. We have multiple different ones spread out across um, different areas so the kids can walk to them. And they can go and get a free hot meal every day. Um, we feed 1,600 kids a day currently. Um, wow. And I, I really don't see this as enabling because, again, kids are innocent. Kids aren't at a place they can support well, themselves. They're, to a certain degree, they're helpless. Yes. They, yeah. yeah. And so they shouldn't be having to go to bed hungry or not knowing where the next meal's coming from um, because of either choices their parents or grandparents have made or just because, you know, the reality of life and their situations. And so we do feeding for them. Um, as COVID restrictions currently allows, we do um, Bible studies with them. We try to provide holistic care for them at our Hope Centers to really um, help them succeed the best they can in getting you know Christ at the foundation of, of their life and growing both physically, spiritually, mentally along the way. I think like I said earlier, we grew up in in little suburban Ohio. And I know in my own experience, it kind of, I had a great foundation of learning to have a relationship with the Lord. But I had also kind of put him in a little box that said, this is the way you work, and this is how you work, and this is what I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And experiences outside of my everyday life and experiences that took me and pushed me to the end of myself really led me to have this bigger picture of who God is and how he works. Have you experienced something similar to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I learned how to sew to make a skirt when I moved to Africa for the first time because I needed a knee-length skirt. And then he calls me to start a sewing project and I barely know how to sew myself. So I'm just like, okay, Lord, but I really am not skilled in this. Like, I'm not a massive (laughs) sewer. I don't know how to do this. And now you want us to sew these stuffed animal giraffes and elephants and monkeys and rhinos and lions. And I'm like, um, okay, sure. You know, and I just went with it. I never really intended to set out and start a large growing nonprofit. He had other plans, you know. I never in, in thought of starting large gardens where we grow over th- 4,000 pounds in one month like we did this January. I don't even like vegetables. I don't even eat them. <laughs> but, you know, it just showed that God had another plan. So I'm just wondering about, like, the person listening to this who's thinking, 
wow, Claire must be super spiritual. That is way more than what I could ever do. She must really know how to trust God, and it just must be really easy for her to trust God and say yes to when he asks. What would you say to that person? Uh, well, it may sound like that, but trust me, there has been many days and many seasons of my life that I have struggled to trust God. I've struggled to know hey, can I do this? Uh, you know, I've struggled to think I was inadequate or why me? You know, I just turned 30 this year. So it's like, why me? I'm a 30 year old single female um, with a funny accent here running around trying to serve God. Like there's nothing special about me. I think that's so comforting to hear that you even have doubts, <laughs> that you yeah. have days where where maybe you want to pack up and go home like that. Yeah. That it doesn't mean it is always going to be easy and fun. Um, I just love not. your honesty <laughs> in that. <laughs> yeah. So I want to, as we wrap up, I want you to think about yourself before you got on the plane and went to Africa seven years ago. Think about that girl who was boarding the plane. What would you say to her now, knowing what you know now? How would you encourage her? Yeah. Hey, it's crazy because like, obviously I know that it was me seven years ago, but in some ways I feel like I had no idea what I was about, the crazy adventure that God was about to take me on. Um, I, I had known Christ and had been raised in the church and all of that, and I had a relationship with him. And at the time I thought my faith was strong, but man, did I not even know, you know? Hmm. Um, and I think I would have just... I think I would encourage like, hey, the road is rough ahead and it's it's going to be one fun adventure, but there's going to be the challenges. There's going to be the doubts. There's going to be those moments that you want to pack everything up and you want to go back to the safety of your parents' house and not feel like the world doesn't exist. Um, and But it's in those moments too that I would remind myself like, hey, in the end, it's going to be worth it. Claire, I have loved talking to you. Um, we have just, we're so grateful that you're willing to share your story with us. We are encouraged and you will have a community of people that are that are praying for you and that are for you and the women that are serving alongside you. Thank you so much just for the opportunity. And um, it has truly been a blessing just to be able to share what, not what I am doing, but what God is doing through this ministry. In listening to this conversation, I was trying to remember the last time that I heard a story from someone who just had the audacity and the energy and the passion to just pack up and go. I know sometimes we use the word missionary for that, and I think Claire would feel uh, comfortable within that, that title. But it's not been a, a regular thing that we've talked about uh, recently, at least in my circles, of just this, this going in the sent one. And I was really encouraged that, one, this is still a thing. You can still just go, just the freedom to just go. You don't always have to have the business model or the plan or the, all the logic models worked out. Uh, the essence at which she carried herself in just going really stood out to me. And Sammy, I'm intrigued to hear, as you interviewed her, what were some of your thoughts? 
Well, I was thinking about the story that she told about the garbage dump mm. and the way that she went there for the very first time, not with the purpose of doing ministry or seeking out people to serve. She ended up in a spot and looked around and saw people and saw a problem. Mm. And then she figured out, how can I be a part of this solution? Not to fix the people, but to fix the problem. Yeah, you just hit on one of my favorite sayings in life is, it's better to solve problems so that we can serve people or be with people. Because when we try to solve people, we end up serving problems. And that stood out to me in this conversation where Claire saw equity and the possibilities of that, but that the puzzle wasn't pieced together. And she's a problem solver. And I love that, that aspect of seeing and digging into a problem and ignoring the lack of training or experience. I think there were multiple times where we could hear her say, yeah, I had sewn this one thing this one time, and now I'm just going to go like set this whole sewing system up because the lack of training wasn't so overwhelming uh, to stop her. It instead was a problem to solve in order to pursue equity. And when I hear of a business model in a missionary context that has 29 women from the local community. Yes, from a local community, finding value, purpose, a voice. Uh, belonging. Belonging and investment mm -hmm. into solving problems that the community had, right? These were community-based problems that now have solutions. And the face of the solution are the people within the community. That, that's a huge takeaway. Yeah, that was one of the things she said. She used the phrase empower versus enable. Yes. And that's a big conversation in nonprofit work and missionary work and especially in international ministry is how do you invest in development rather than just providing relief all the time? How do you do that empowering rather than enabling? Because empowering and development is really what's long-term sustainable and really what's proven to be best practice. It's timely because even at the recording of this, we're still coming out of this season of pandemic where a lot of development had to move to relief. And I think this is a, a timely reminder that relief can last for a season, but moving into development is the only way to get back to equality. Equality comes from trying to find community approaches to systems and sustainability. I think one of my takeaway questions will be, what are the problems that I'm seeing in the communities that I'm in every day, that I'm a part of every day? Claire found herself in a garbage dump and looked around and saw what problems are in that community and how can she be a part of building solutions for those problems. And so I'm asking myself, like, okay, as I'm in my everyday life, what are the problems in the communities around me that maybe I could be a part of building solutions for? Yeah, and I think one of the questions that I would leave asking is, um, where have I systemized something that just needed to be a go? Just mm -hmm. go. Like, where has it just needed to be a simplification of 
You know that you're supposed to. So just go. The system will come when you see the problem. And that, that's, that's one that I would challenge each of us to look at. Sometimes we are over-systemizing the next step. And it's simple. Just show up. Yeah, I think that is definitely something that Claire has modeled Yes, in an in incredible way is just show up and say yes and learn along the way because she's learned a lot along the way. Um, but sometimes that learning comes after the yes. Absolutely. So audience, we're grateful for you listening in again today. Um, as always, we're grateful for Cohatch Mason for hosting this space for the podcast connections will be in the show notes. Samuel, will you highlight one from the podcast? We will link in the show notes to lydiasmission.org. You can get more information about Claire and the women that she works alongside. You can even check out the shop where they have some of the products that the women make. I'd encourage you to go and learn more about everything that Claire's doing in South Africa. Join us next time for another story from an everyday person being the difference in the lives of others.